بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the delegations from different tribes that came to Medina to accept Islam on behalf of their tribes. And most of those delegations came in the ninth year of the Hijrah. And that's why the ninth year of the Hijrah is known as Amul Wufud. So many delegations came and they accepted Islam during the ninth year of Hijrah. And some of those delegations continued also into the next year, which was the tenth year of the Hijrah. So today we want to talk about one of the very important delegations that came to Medina to discuss Islam with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and this was actually a delegation of Christians from the city of Najran. So the city of Najran is a city in the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula near Yemen, and the inhabitants of that city were Christians. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had sent a letter to the head of the church of Najran. So basically, there was a bishop who was the religious leader of the people of Najran. He was the religious leader of the Christians of Najran. And his title was Al-Usquf. And that means basically the bishop. So the Prophet sent a letter to Al-Usquf inviting him and his people to Islam. So the Usquf or the bishop, he was the religious leader. But the ruler of the people, the political ruler, was a man named Shurahbil ibn Wada'ah. So there was a religious leader and then there was also a political leader. So the Prophet ﷺ had sent the letter to the religious leader, Al-Usquf. So Al-Usquf consulted the political leader, Shurahbil ibn Wada'ah, regarding this letter, what do you think we should do? So Shurahbil, he replied to Al-Usquf, he said to him, you would know better. You are more knowledgeable in terms of the religion. This man is inviting you to Islam and he is claiming to be a prophet, you would be more knowledgeable about these matters than me. So he asked Al-Usquf, what do you think about the letter? And Al-Usquf, the bishop, he said, well, I know that this is the time that a prophet is supposed to come. From our scriptures, we know that this is the time that a prophet is supposed to come. And all of the signs point to that prophet being from Bani Ismail. That this prophet that's going to come is not going to be from Bani Israel, rather he's going to be from Bani Ismail. He's going to be from the progeny of Ismail alayhi salam. And this man who wrote this letter, Muhammad, he is from Bani Ismail. And he's the only one from Bani Ismail who is claiming to be a prophet. So the signs are pointing to the truthfulness of what he is saying. This is what the Usquf said to the ruler, what he said to Shurahbil. So they discussed it amongst themselves and they decided to gather the general population of the city to consult them as well. Let's gather all of the people 
gather the inhabitants of the city and let us tell them about this letter and see what they think about it. So they gathered the people to address them. And Najran was a city that was heavily populated. There were about 100,000 people in the city of Najran. So they gathered the people and the Usquf, the bishop, he addressed them. And he said, we received this letter from a man named Muhammad who is claiming to be a prophet from Allah. And the signs point to the probability that he is telling the truth. It is most likely that he is truthful. All of the signs point to the fact that he is probably truthful. So what do you think we should do? So the Usquf, the bishop, who is the head of the church, he is addressing the general public, asking for their opinion on what to do about this. Should we stay upon Christianity? Should we accept Islam? What do you think we should do? And the general public, they said to the Usquf, you are the most knowledgeable one amongst us. You are the head of the church. You have more knowledge in religious matters than we do. So you should decide what to do. And whatever you decide, we will follow you. So what they decided to do, Shurahbil and the Usquf, they decided we will make up a delegation that consists of religious leaders and also political leaders. A delegation that consists of both political leaders and religious leaders from Najran. And we will go to Medina. We will meet this man, Muhammad, and we will talk to him in person to see what is the reality of the situation. So this is what they agreed to do. So they made up this delegation and the Usquf and Shurahbil were the heads of this delegation. And they went to Medina. When they arrived in Medina, of course, the, the journey from Najran, which is in the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula, all the way to Medina, it's a long journey. So their clothes were disheveled from the travel. So before they went into Medina to meet the Prophet ﷺ, they took off their traveling clothes and they wore some very exquisite clothing. And their intention was that they want to meet the Prophet ﷺ wearing the best type of clothing, wearing a very luxurious, extravagant type of clothing so that the Prophet ﷺ will see them and he will give them importance. This was their thinking. That the Prophet ﷺ will see them with this, these silk robes with embroidery on them and he will give them importance due to the way that they are dressed. This is what they thought. So they, they wore these robes and they went into the city. And they went to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they tried to speak to him. And when they tried to speak to him, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't reply them. He didn't reply them at all. So they were confused now. We came all the way from Najran to meet him, to talk to him. We're trying to talk to him and he doesn't respond to what we're saying. So they saw Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu, and they said to him, we came to, to meet Muhammad and we're trying to talk to him, but he's not talking to us. So what do you think? And Ali radiallahu anhu, he was very intelligent and he saw the way that they were dressed. And he said that he probably saw the way that you are dressed, wearing these type of clothing, these silk robes with embroidery, and it shows a type of, of arrogance, wearing extravagant clothing like this. So that is probably why he didn't want to talk to you. If you just change your clothes back to the clothes 
that you are traveling with, the humble, modest clothes, then he will probably talk to you. So they said, okay, we will do this. They took off those robes and they wore back their humble, modest clothing. And then they went back to the Prophet wasallam, and then he spoke to them. They spoke to him and he responded to them and they were able to have a conversation here. And the Prophet wasallam mentioned that the first time when they came in wearing those luxurious silk robes, when they came in like that, Iblis entered with them. They came to Medina and their intention should be to come and learn from the Prophet So you have to show some humility. When you come to learn from someone, you have to show humility. But they came wearing these type of robes, not showing humility, but rather showing pride. That we will come dressed like this, and because of how we are dressed, he will give us importance. So this is not the right attitude, especially when you come somewhere to learn. When you come as a student seeking knowledge, you're not supposed to try to show any type of pride or arrogance to the one who is going to teach you. So the Prophet ﷺ said, when they came in the first time dressed like that, Iblis entered with them. So this teaches us a lesson as well. When you're seeking knowledge from someone, be humble and seek knowledge in a humble fashion. So anyways, now the Prophet ﷺ was ready to have a conversation with them. Now that they showed their humbleness and their willingness to learn from the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ was ready to have a conversation with them. So these Christians, they asked about Isa salam. They asked the Prophet ﷺ, what do you believe about Isa salam? So regarding this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses from Surah Ali Imran. Verses from Surah Ali Imran, Surah Ali Imran, which tell the story of Maryam alayhi salam and how Isa alayhi salam was conceived and how Isa alayhi salam spoke in the cradle and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Isa alayhi salam knowledge and wisdom and how Isa alayhi salam's example is like the example of Adam alayhi salam in terms of how he was created. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna mathala Isa Surely the likeness of Isa with Allah is like Adam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created him from dust and then he said be and he was. The truth is from your Lord so do not be from those people who doubt. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses about Maryam, about Isa alayhi salam, about the similarity in the creation of Isa alayhi salam and Adam alayhi salam. He revealed these verses as a proof against the Christians. And the Prophet wasallam recited these verses to the Christian delegation from Najran. So after listening to this, after listening to what the Prophet ﷺ had to say and after listening to these verses of the Qur'an about Isa ﷺ and what the Muslims believe about Isa ﷺ, the bishop and Shurahbil, they spoke to each other, they consulted with each other regarding what is the next step we should take. Should we accept this? Should we become Muslims? 
and they consulted the other members of the delegation as well to decide what to do what is the next step we should take now and they realized the asquf the bishop and shurahbil both of them they realized that whatever he's saying it makes sense whatever muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is saying it all makes sense and all of the signs point to his truthfulness so they had a feeling in themselves that he is probably telling the truth and this religion is probably the correct religion to follow so they thought about it they seriously considered it should we accept islam but in the end they decided not to accept islam they thought okay this is too big of a thing to do to leave our religion to leave christianity and join a new religion this is this is a huge step to take so in the end they decided not to accept islam so when they decided not to accept islam the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam challenged them to a mubahala and this is also from the verses that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in surah ali imran after allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about isa alayhi salam and he established these proofs against the Christians' false beliefs. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَمَنْ حَاجَّكَ فِيهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَكَ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ Whoever still disputes with you after this knowledge has come to you, all of this knowledge has come to you, and you have, you have conveyed this knowledge to these people. And if they still argue with you, if they are still unwilling to accept it, after it has been clarified to them, then this is what you should do. فَقُلْ تَعَالَوْ نَدْعُ أَبْنَاءَنَا وَأَبْنَاءَكُمْ وَنِسَاءَنَا وَنِسَاءَكُمْ وَأَنفُسَنَا وَأَنفُسَكُمْ ثُمَّ نَبْتَهِلْ فَنَجَعَلْ لَعْنَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْكَاذِبِينَ That if they still dispute to you after what has come to you from the truth, then say to them, come. We will call our sons and you call your sons. We will call our women and you call your women. And we will come ourselves and you come yourselves. So come with your families and we will come with our families and we will both make sincere dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whoever is the liar amongst us, may the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon the liar. So if we are lying, then may the curse of Allah be upon us. And if you are lying, then may the curse of Allah be upon you. This is the challenge and this is called mubahala. So the Prophet ﷺ invited them, he challenged them to this. And the Prophet ﷺ himself, he went and he got his daughter, Fatima radiallahu anha, and he got his two grandsons, Al-Hasan and Al-Hussein, and he came ready to make this mubahala. That we will call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and invoke the curse of Allah on who is lying. We are ready to do it. The Prophet ﷺ was ready to do it. But the Christians, they got scared. The Christian delegation, they got scared because they said to themselves, the Asquf said, the Bishop said, we cannot do this, we cannot accept this challenge because if we invoke the curse of Allah upon ourselves, and if he is really telling the truth, if he is really a messenger of Allah and all of the signs point that he probably is the messenger of Allah. So if we invoke the curse of Allah upon ourselves, then we will be destroyed and our descendants and our progeny and everyone will be destroyed if we invoke the curse of Allah upon ourselves and he is truthful so they were afraid to do it they didn't want to take this risk so they consulted amongst themselves what should we do we don't want to accept Islam but we also don't want to 
make this mubahala. We don't want to invoke, invoke the curse of Allah upon ourselves. So what should we do? So Shurahbil, who was the leader of the people, he said, okay, I have an idea. I know what we should do. We should just go to Muhammad and we should tell him we are, we are not interested in accepting Islam, but we also don't want to accept this challenge of invoking the curse of Allah. We don't want to do either of these things, but we will leave the decision upon you. Whatever you want to do with us, we will accept it. Whatever you want to do with us, whatever you decide regarding our people, we will accept it. So the Prophet ﷺ said to Shurahbil, he said, but maybe your people, they won't like what I decide. If I decide what to do with your people, maybe your, the rest of your people, they will not be happy with my decision. And then you will have a problem. Then Shurahbil said, I am the leader of my people. I am the ruler of my people. And if I accept something, they will all accept it. No one from my people will disagree with me. So he gave the Prophet ﷺ this assurance that whatever you decide, I will accept it. And if I accept it, then all of the people will accept it. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, my decision is that the people of Najran, they can live peacefully. They can continue to live peacefully as Christians in Najran. But you will all have to pay the jizya. You will have to pay this tax to the Muslim Baytul Mal. So Shurahbil, he immediately accepted it. He said, yes, this is fine. We will pay the jizya. So this was a peaceful resolution to this situation. The Christians were allowed to stay in Najran and continue to remain as Christians while they pay the jizya to the Muslims. And because of this peaceful resolution, the Prophet ﷺ was actually able to send ambassadors to Najran to teach the people Islam, to give the people da'wah to Islam. They remained as Christians, but the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, it's peaceful. We can send our people there to teach them about Islam. And if anyone wants to accept Islam, they can accept Islam, no problem. So the Prophet ﷺ sent some of his companions over there to give da'wah to the people of Najran. And eventually, alhamdulillah, the people of Najran, they did accept Islam. They became Muslims, alhamdulillah. And it is even said that Shurahbil ibn Wada'ah, the leader of the people, he actually accepted Islam as well, alhamdulillah. So this was a very peaceful resolution to this situation and a peaceful acceptance of Islam by the people of Najran, alhamdulillah. So this was one of the most important delegations actually that occurred during uh, the Amul Wufud. Uh, and when these Christians accepted Islam, Alhamdulillah, this was a big thing. Because now the people in the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula, Alhamdulillah, they're accepting Islam. And also people from Yemen started coming as well, Alhamdulillah. And they came with their delegations and they started accepting Islam as well. So now you see Islam is spreading all over the peninsula. The southern part of the peninsula, the northern part of the peninsula, the Hijaz. So Islam, alhamdulillah, is spreading all over the land. Alhamdulillah. Also, from the delegations that came to the Prophet ﷺ to accept Islam was the delegation of Bani Bujla from Yemen. And this delegation was led by Jarir ibn Abdullah radiallahu an. Jarir ibn Abdullah from Yemen, from the tribe of Bani Bujla. So this delegation led by Jarir, they came into Medina.
to accept Islam, to meet the Prophet ﷺ and accept Islam. And they entered Medina on the day of Jumu'ah. It was a Jumu'ah. And it was the time of the khutbah of Jumu'ah when they entered Medina. So the Prophet ﷺ was actually giving the khutbah in the masjid. So when Jarir entered the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, it was during the Jumu'ah khutbah. But he noticed that when he entered the masjid, the Prophet ﷺ was on the mimbar, but he was silent. He wasn't saying anything. And Jarir entered the masjid and all of the eyes of the companions who were there sitting down, they all turned to Jarir. So he entered in the door and the people were already looking at that door. Like they were waiting for someone to come in. Everyone is silent. Even the Prophet ﷺ was silent. And everybody's eyes are on the door, on a certain door. And then Jarir ibn Abdullah, he enters inside that door. So all of the eyes are immediately on him. So he found this kind of strange. Like the Prophet ﷺ is standing on the mimbar, but he's not saying anything. And everybody is looking at Jarir. So he's a little bit confused. What's going on here? He finds a place to sit. And he sits down. And as he's moving, as he's walking to find a place, all of the eyes, everybody, just looking at him, following him. And he can notice everyone is staring at him. So he, he doesn't understand what's going on. Finally, he finds a place to sit down. He sits down. And then he asks someone, what's going on here? Why is everybody looking at me? Did the Prophet ﷺ say something about me? And then the person next to him said, yes, the Prophet ﷺ said about you. He said, يَدْخُلُ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ هَذَا الْبَابِ خَيْرُ أَهْلِ الْيَمَنِ the Prophet ﷺ had just said before you entered, he said someone is going to enter from that door right now and he is the best person from the people of Yemen. He is the best person from the people of Yemen and he's going to enter from that door. So of course they all started looking at the door waiting for someone to come. And the door opened and Jarir, he came through that door. So that's why everybody was looking at him. They said, okay, we're looking at the best person from Yemen right now. So Jarir radiallahu anhu he was very happy with this, that he is the best of the people of Yemen. And Jarir radiallahu anhu he was very happy with the way that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa honored him and treated him. And Jarir radiallahu anhu he says, any time that I ever asked permission to enter to meet the Prophet sallallahu I was always given permission. He would never deny me permission to meet him. And every time the Prophet sallallahu saw me, he would always smile. He would always smile. So this made Jarir very happy that the Prophet ﷺ gave him such an importance. Jarir, he said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, I have a deficiency. I have one problem. And that problem is that I can't balance well on a horse. When I want to ride a horse, I cannot balance well. I fall off the horse regularly. So he told the Prophet ﷺ about this problem. Jarir, he was a tall man. So it was kind of difficult for him to balance himself on the horse. So the Prophet ﷺ made a special dua for him. The Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma thabbithu wa ja'alhu hadiyan mahdiya. Oh Allah, make him firm. Make him firm and make him a person who guides others and is guided himself as well. Make him a person who is guided and who guides others. And make him firm. So that dua was accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from that point on Jarir was able to ride a horse very easily and he never fell down from a horse again after that. And Jarir radiallahu anhu 
he was a very handsome man, very good-looking man. Umar ibn Khattab used to say, he is the Yusuf of this Ummah. Jarir ibn Abdullah, he is the Yusuf of this Ummah. So that's how good-looking he was. So you see here now, all of these tribes from different parts of the peninsula accepting Islam. And most of this, these wufud, these delegations and groups of people accepting Islam, it occurred in the ninth year of Hijrah and also the tenth year of Hijrah. So all of these tribes, all of these delegations, these crowds of people accepting Islam from different parts of the peninsula. So the Prophet ﷺ, he would send teachers from his companions. He would send knowledgeable people to go to those tribes and go to those delegations or those, those people who had accepted Islam to go to their lands and to teach them Islam. So these different tribes from different parts of the peninsula all over the place, they have accepted Islam but they really don't have much knowledge about Islam. They're Muslims but they don't know much about the rulings of Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ would actually send teachers from Medina to go to this tribe, go to that tribe and you teach them about Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ entrusted some of his knowledgeable companions with this responsibility to go and teach the people. So to Yemen, the people of Yemen accepted Islam, alhamdulillah. To Yemen, the Prophet ﷺ sent Abu Musa al-Ash'ari al and also Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu Now Mu'adh ibn Jabal, this is an amazing companion of the Prophet ﷺ. He was a young man. He was a young man. When the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, Mu'adh ibn Jabal at that time, he was only 18 years old. Only 18 years old. Now it's about 10 years later. So he's still under 30. And the Prophet ﷺ is sending him with this huge task. You go to Yemen and you teach the people of Yemen Islam. The Prophet ﷺ entrusted such a young man with, with such an important responsibility. That shows the trust and the confidence he had in Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu. So Mu'adh radiallahu anhu, he was very beloved to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ really loved him. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that Mu'adh ibn Jabal was the most knowledgeable companion. He's the most knowledgeable companion in the matters of halal and haram. In knowing what is halal and what is haram, the most knowledgeable Sahabi is Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu And the Prophet ﷺ actually one time he went to Mu'adh ibn Jabal. He went up to Mu'adh and he said, Ya Mu'adh, inni uhibbuk. Imagine this. The Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, the greatest of mankind. He goes to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, this young man, and he says to him, Ya Mu'adh, inni uhibbuk. Ya Mu'adh, surely I love you. How did Mu'adh feel to hear these words from the Prophet ﷺ? The Prophet ﷺ is telling him that he loves him. So this is the love that the Prophet ﷺ had for this young man, Mu'adh ibn Jabal. One incident with Mu'adh ibn Jabal that occurred is that Mu'adh ibn Jabal, he loved the Prophet ﷺ so much that he would make sure that he attends the jama'ah of Salatul Isha with the Prophet So the Prophet he would lead Salatul Isha in Masjid al-Nabawi and Mu'adh would pray behind him. Then Mu'adh would go back to his people because he was an Imam for his group of people. He would go back and then he would lead his people in Salatul Isha. But he didn't want to miss the, the Salah with the Prophet so he would pray with the Prophet first then after the Salah was over, he would go back and then he would lead Isha as an Imam for his people. So 
one time when Mu'adh was leading Salat al-Isha with his people, he read Surah al-Baqarah in, in Salat al-Isha. Surah al-Isha. Surah al-Baqarah. How long is this surah? So he starts reading the surah. Alif Lam Mim Thalika al-Kitabu la rayba fi hudal lil-muttaqeen. And he keeps reading and reading and reading and reading and reading the whole surah in Salat al-Isha. So one of the men who was praying behind him, he found it too long. This is too long. So he finished the prayer on his own. While Mu'adh was still leading this man, he realized, okay, this is too long for me. I can't take it anymore. He just finished the salah on his own and he left. So then when Mu'adh finally finished the salah, they told him, the people there, they told him there was this guy who was praying behind you. He started the salah with you. But then he just finished it on his own and he, and he left. So Mu'adh said, this is a munafiq. Who would do this? Who would leave the salah in the middle like this and finish it on his own and not complete it with the imam? So he was angry. So when this news reached the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ was actually angry at Mu'adh. He went to Mu'adh and he said, Ya Mu'adh, afattanun ant? Ya Mu'adh, have you become a fitna? Have you become a trial for the people? That you're making the salah so long that it becomes difficult for them? This is a fitna for the people. So the Prophet ﷺ was actually harsh with Mu'adh. Afattanun anta, ya Mu'adh. Oh Mu'adh, are you a person who is making fitna, ya Mu'adh? But even this hadith, it shows the love and the close relationship that the Prophet ﷺ had with Mu'adh ibn Jabal Because if you see how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with other people, you, you don't usually see this harshness. Like the man who came in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ and urinated in the masjid. The Prophet ﷺ was not harsh with this person at all. He was not harsh with this person at, at all. And he very nicely explained to him that this is a place of worship. So you cannot do this type of thing here. Very nicely. And there are so many other incidents where people did things that they shouldn't have done. And the Prophet ﷺ very kindly and very nicely and very softly told them that this was wrong. But for Mu'adh in this instance, he was not soft with him. He was actually harsh with him. He said, have you become a fitna for the people, Ya Mu'adh? But what does this show? It shows that the relationship between Mu'adh and the Prophet ﷺ was so close that the Prophet ﷺ knew that he could be harsh with Mu'adh and it would be okay. Mu'adh would be okay with that. He would, he would not take any personal offense to that. Just like if a father is advising a son, he can be harsh with him. If the father is advising the son, he doesn't always have to be soft. He can be harsh sometimes. Because that's the relationship of a father and a son. But if it's some outsider, you can't be harsh with them. Because they might take that offensively and it might make them go further away from what is right. So look at the relationship that the Prophet ﷺ had with Mu'adh. That he could talk to him like this. He could be harsh with him. Because he loved him so much and he had such a close relationship to him. So this is something amazing. The relationship of the Prophet ﷺ with Mu'adh ibn Jabal and he advised Mu'adh make the salah short make it easy for the people in Salatul Isha read surahs like Washamsi wa Duhaha right so that it won't be so long and it wouldn't be so difficult for the people so this is just some insight to the relationship between the Prophet ﷺ and Mu'adh ibn Jabal a man that the Prophet ﷺ directly said to him Ya Mu'adh inni uhibbuk surely I love you so now the Prophet ﷺ is sending him off on this journey to Yemen to go and teach the people of Yemen Islam. Huge responsibility for this young man, still under 30 years of age. 
So Mu'az is getting ready to leave Medina. He's preparing himself, getting ready to actually leave Medina to go to Yemen. And as he is ready to leave, the Prophet ﷺ is with him to bid him farewell. He is with him in those final moments in Medina before Mu'az leaves off to Yemen. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, he said to Mu'az when it was time for Mu'az to actually finally leave, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Ya Mu'az, perhaps you will not meet me again after this year. Perhaps you will not see me again after this year. Perhaps when you come back, when you come back from Yemen, next time when you come back to Medina, you will only see my masjid and my grave. So how do you think Mu'adh felt when he, when he heard these words from the Prophet ﷺ that I'm going to Yemen now and when I come back, I'm not going to see the Prophet ﷺ here again. So this is actually the last time I'm going to see the Prophet ﷺ. This farewell is my final farewell with the Prophet ﷺ in this dunya. I'm going to leave to Yemen now and I'm not going to see the Prophet ﷺ again in this dunya. So how do you think Mu'ad felt at this? Of course, it was a very emotional time for him. And he cried, he cried, cried a lot. And the Prophet ﷺ also was very emotional too to say goodbye to this, this young man that he loved so much. So Mu'ad is crying and he's looking towards the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ is looking away, looking away from him. Because sometimes if you're sad and you're crying and you see the other person also crying, it makes it even more difficult. So the Prophet ﷺ, out of consideration for his feelings, he didn't want Mu'adh to see him and how it was affecting him as well. But this was the duty that he had been entrusted and he knew that he had to do it. So the Prophet ﷺ bid him farewell and he gave him some, some final pieces of advice and he sent him on his way and Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu an went to Yemen. And eventually when he came back to Medina, the words of the Prophet ﷺ were true. He did not find the Prophet ﷺ there. He had already passed away. And Mu'adh just found the masjid and the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. So this was during the, the end of the first decade of the hijrah of the Prophet and by this time so many people had accepted Islam and Surah Al-Nasr was revealed at this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا when all of these tribes accepted Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah. When the help of Allah comes and the victory. And you see the people entering Islam in huge crowds. This tribe, that tribe, they're all entering Islam. You see the people entering Islam in huge crowds. When you see this happening, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering the Prophet sallallahu now Glorify the praise of your Lord and ask your Lord for his forgiveness Surely he is the one who accepts repentance and forgives So when this surah was revealed Abu Bakr radiallahu an he cried He cried a lot when Surah Al-Nasr was revealed and he realized that this surah was a sign that the mission of the Prophet 
is nearing its completion. People are entering Islam. The Prophet ﷺ has done his job. And now it is time for the Prophet ﷺ to leave this dunya. So when this surah was revealed, Abu Bakr he understood this, that this is the end. And the Prophet ﷺ doesn't have much time left in this dunya. So he cried a lot because of that. So by this time, thousands and thousands and thousands of people had accepted Islam. The Muslim population had grown immensely, alhamdulillah. Now just a few years ago, at, at Hudaybiyah, before the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was signed, there were only about 1,400 people with the Prophet ﷺ at Hudaybiyah. And that was the sixth year of the Hijrah. About 1,400 people with the Prophet ﷺ in the sixth year of the Hijrah. After the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was agreed upon, within the next couple of years, in the eighth year of the Hijrah, just two years after Hudaybiyah, when Mecca was conquered, how many people were with the Prophet ﷺ at the Fath of Mecca? Two years after Hudaybiyah, 10,000 people. So in the sixth year, 1,400. In the eighth year, now it became 10,000. And now in the tenth year, just two years after the Fath of Mecca, after all of these delegations and these crowds and these tribes had accepted Islam, in the tenth year of the Hijrah, in the final Hajj of the Prophet ﷺ, the Hajjatul Wada', there were at least 100,000 people with the Prophet ﷺ. So look how fast it grew in the last four years. From the Treaty of Hudaybiyah in the year 6 to the Hajjatul Wada' in the year 10th, in a span of four years, from 1,400 Muslims to over 100,000 Muslims. Alhamdulillah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he did his job. He conveyed this message all over the place, alhamdulillah. And now the time was coming for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take the Prophet ﷺ back from this dunya. So we are nearing the, the final stage of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. And inshallah next, next week we will talk about the Hajjatul Wada', the farewell Hajj of the Prophet ﷺ, which was in the month of Dhul Hijjah. In the tenth year of the Hijrah, we'll speak about that next week. Bismillah. Allahu Alam. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Wa Barakatuh. Nabiina Muhammadu Ala Alihi Wa Sahbihi Ajma'in.